Our scripture readings today come from the books of Genesis and Hebrews. Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat, so you may be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seers of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. And then he brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. And while they ate, he stood near them under a tree. From Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Good morning. As I travel uh, recently to India, I find that Jesus Christ is the same not only today, tomorrow, yesterday, but Jesus Christ is also the same around the world. I was in India, as some of you know, a couple weeks ago, and um, when I was there, one of the things that stood out to me as a guest was how gracious the people of India are were towards me and to the other people I was traveling with. They were so gracious to us and hospitable to us. And uh, as soon as we, we arrived in the country, they immediately wanted to carry our bags for us and load our bags. And, you know, and as a, as we're taught to like kind of be independent and do things ourselves. And so we kept like saying, no, no, we got it, we got it. But they would grab it out of our hands and they would take it from us and put it into the car and they would take it out of the car for us. They would escort us different places. They would never let us walk anywhere alone. They would, you'd sit down at a meal, and immediately this food would appear, you know, on your plate. 
out of nowhere. They would just come up from behind you and serve you. And then if your plate was clear, if you didn't like do this and cover it, you know, more food would appear on your plate. So I actually gained five pounds when I was away. Um, I learned that I needed to do this a lot more and less of the, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. But no, thank you. Right. So I learned these things. But what struck me was just how hospitable the culture was as a whole. And I was talking to one of our hosts as we were walking between buildings one day. We were walking back to where we were staying, and he was walking with me because they didn't let you walk anywhere alone. They always escorted you everywhere. And I was talking to him about how great the hospitality was and how gracious they had been for us. And he said it this way. He phrased it this way. He says, we treat our guests like gods. We treat our guests like gods. Now, that took me back because, you know, I, that kind of, you know, that just didn't sit well with me. You know, I don't think we should look at people as gods. But I got, the, I got what he meant. And I immediately thought of this verse in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Isn't it saying something similar here in the scriptures? It says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. And again, you kind of see that same idea that hospitality is to be practiced towards even a stranger because we never know who they are. We never know what gifts they bring to us, and they could be a divine being. And this idea that we treat people as though they have divine worth that's what I thought about. Like, what does it look like to treat people as though they have divine worth and to, and to be hospitable to them? Because in the Bible, we see this happening. We heard from Abraham. We saw a little bit of the story of Abraham and how Abraham treated the strangers that came to him and how he took care of them and how he invited them in and cared for their needs and how he bowed to them, right? He bowed to them. He was hospitable to them. He treated them like angels or gods, and he treated the stranger that way. It's interesting that also in the first century, you know, the first verse in Hebrews talks about, you know, love, let us continue to love one another's brothers and sisters in Christ, and then it says, practice hospitality and go visit the prisoner. These are reflections of loving one another, these two practices of loving one another, and so he says that. And in the first century, Christians were known for their love for one another and their love for people who came across their path. So in Roman culture, Romans, like Americans, I think, or U.S. citizens, we tend to keep to ourselves. But the early Christian church actually welcomed the stranger, provide housing for those on the journey, and would take them in and provide for them and show them genuine love among them when they would do that, which I think is one of the testimonies to the Christian faith in the first century and when they were in a culture that was basically saying, you know, separating people and keeping people apart and not being hospitable. You know, what do we do, though, in American culture today with the stranger, with someone we don't know? with someone we've never seen before, or maybe looks different than us. What do we do with that stranger? I, I, I know what the script is that runs in my head from my mom. What's the script? What did your mother teach you? Don't talk to strangers, right? We remember that, right? I told my daughters the same thing. You know, you're driving five hours to college. I want you to don't stop anywhere. You know, don't talk to anybody. You know, keep yourself safe because we, we have all these stories. We have these scripts in our mind. And so one of the responses is we, we've, we've been taught to be suspicious of the stranger. 
And I'm not saying that we shouldn't use wisdom. We should use wisdom. But this is the script that runs in our head. Whereas maybe, the, but notice that the script of the Bible is not that. It's not fear. It's not be afraid of the stranger. It's this stranger may be a gift. <laughs> this stranger may be somebody that, I, that, it, that, is, that is, has divine worth right? And so there's a different mindset in the biblical understanding of hospitality, whereas we're taught in our culture to kind of remove ourselves, keep our strangers away. That's also happening without us even knowing it. Now think about our, how, how we live today. And we love, how many people love technology? How, you know, we, we appreciate technology, right? But it's also creating a society that is what has been called by sociologists cocooning ourselves away from the stranger, from the neighbor, from other people. So what's happening is I basically can stay in my house and never interact with another stranger. Why? Because I can get my food delivered to my house. I never have to go to the grocery store now. I can order online and I can have it delivered to my house. So I don't have to interact with a stranger. I don't have to go to the movies. I can watch movies on my home television I have a garage, you know, some of us have garages. We can drive our cars in, never interact with our neighbor. We have a garage door opener, opens up the garage, we drive in, garage door closes, right? See how that works? So I never have to interact with my neighbor. I never have to talk to the stranger next to me. And, and you think about all these things, all this, so we're spending a lot more of our time in front of a screen, interacting with the screen and avoiding the stranger, and so you can see how we as a culture have really distanced ourselves from those that may be different from us or don't think like us and may not look like us. So you think about this. So my question today is, are we to, like, give in to, are we to look for biblical hospitality or are we going to give in to fear and isolation? Like what's our response to the stranger? Fear and isolation or divine gift? Do we see others as a divine gift? Now, I've been thinking, I don't know if about you, but I've been following uh, the news reports about the immigrant care, migrant caravan that's been coming from Honduras. It's been approaching the Mexican border, and they started arriving this weekend in mass, and they're starting to set up kind of uh, basically a refugee camp on the border in Tijuana. And about three, I think I read this morning that about 3,000 people are there. They expect up to 7,000 more people to come in the next couple of weeks. So there'll be 10,000 people camped on the U.S. border in Tijuana. Uh, according to the U.S. government, they'll process 100 requests a day for 10,000 people. So it's going to take some time to process. So we think about that. But I want to ask you to think about this. How have we looked at the immigrant coming to our borders? Has it been fear or has it been gift? How, how, as you follow the news, I'm not asking you to answer out loud, and it's okay if you felt fear. It's okay if we felt welcome, you know, compassion. You think about that. So what is the response? What is going on inside of us as Christians in response to the stranger that is coming to our borders? Is fear at work? Or is compassion at work? I read another article this week by a pastor who went and walked 
with the migrants uh, through parts of Mexico. He spent about a week walking with the caravan, and he reported a very kind group of people, a very peaceful group of people. He also learned their stories that some of them were fleeing Honduras because there were attacks on their families, and they were, their children were being kidnapped. So I don't know about you, I, that gave me more compassion <laughs> As I put myself in their shoes, as I understood their plight, I began to say, oh, I, I can have more compassion for them because I know their story. But when I don't know their story, it's fear, right? Keep out, right? So that's it. I would suggest to you I found out something else, and I think it's important for us to know, is that I learned that last year, in 2017, 1.6 million people immigrated into America. We're still a nation of immigrants, And in year 2020, the U.S. Census Bureau predicts that the immigrant population in the United States will be 48 million people. That's about one-sixth of our population. We also know that we just passed a tipping point in our nation in that what happened a few years ago was that all the children, newborns in America, in the United States, over 50% were born to foreign-born parents, immigrants. So think about that. That is the future of the United States. We are still an immigrant nation of immigrants. We are still being a a nation of ethnic diversity. And so this is going to continue to happen. My question is, as a church, as Christians, what's our response? We have to wrestle with that. We have to wrestle with our response. What does it look like to be welcoming of the stranger, of the immigrant, of the refugee, of the displaced person, of the one fleeing conflict. And when we know their stories, we begin to see that there may be a need for compassion and hospitality and to see them as divine gifts. The reason I talk about this is because we've been in this, uh, this series called Ripple Effect, and we've talked the last two weeks about how Ripple Effect, you know, how many people have ever taken a rock or stone and thrown it into a lake? Anybody ever done that, right? And when you hit the water, that stone hits the water, it creates a, a ripple effect, waves. Or how many people have ever been in a kayak on the, out in Elliott Bay or the Puget Sound when a boat comes by and a large boat comes by and you're like, yeah, you know, you're doing that, right? So this, this has a, an effect, this has an impact, right? And so what we talked about first week was how we're to be living honestly, be true to ourselves about our relationship and our journey with Jesus Christ. And then we're also, the second ripple was to teach one another to follow Jesus and encourage one another and build each other up to follow Jesus. And these two ripples have to do with us, starting with us, right? But here's the next ripple. The next ripple is this practice of hospitality. This is where I begin to stop looking inward and looking at my walk with Jesus and start to look outward to the stranger and those around me and begin to love them and to practice hospitality and welcome them and treat them as divine gifts beyond myself. And so this is the next ripple that comes out of this series that we've been talking about in the life of our church, that are we going to welcome the stranger? Are we going to be hospitable to those that look different than us, that are coming to us or out in our neighborhoods? I think it's I think I'd like as a pastor to flip the script in my brain from fear to one of hospitality. So I began to think about that. What would it look like for us to begin to look at people as gifts, divine gifts, rather than people to be feared? What would be different in my mind? I think one of the gifts that other people bring to us people who are different than us or people from other ethnicities or just strangers or neighbors, one of the gifts they bring to us is their story. Their story. 
I think their, their story is a gift to us because as I hear their stories, and as I mentioned with the, the migrant uh, caravan or the immigrant caravan, I, mentioned, I noticed that when I knew, knew their story, I began to have more compassion for them, right? So we have to hear each other's stories and hear the story of the stranger and that maybe that story is actually a gift to us, a message to us that shapes us and calls us to be like Jesus. Does that make sense? Like maybe when I hear that story and compassion starts to build up in me, what happens to me is I become more like Jesus. <laughs> and it, isn't that what we're about? I was thinking when I was in India, I, a young woman told a story. She, we had been spending, I had seen her all week at the conference we were a part of, and she shared a story with us at the end of the conference. And she said, she talked about the day that the, the government-backed police came into her church and raided her church on Christmas Day as they were worshiping on Christmas Day. And they had to flee into the jungle without food or water or anything to, because they were going to kill her father, who was the pastor of the church. And so the whole, all the congregation had to flee into the jungle and hide in the jungle for about a week. No water, no food, nothing. <coughs> and as I heard her story, <laughs> I began to have compassion for the pastors that we were working with and compassion for what was going on in their lives and compassion for this young woman. And then she talked about how fearful she was going back to the church or how fearful she was to now go back and share her faith with others in her community. She wanted to hide. But then she talked about how God had given her the faith and the courage to continue in ministry, to continue to do what God had called her to do in the midst of a very difficult situation. You know what's happening in the Indian ch church in India? It's growing, even despite its persecution. Which I, maybe, I, don't, I shouldn't say this out loud because the government, anti-Christian governments around the world may hear me say this, because I think the best way to kill a church is put everybody in the same place and make them really comfortable. Don't, don't make them look outside beyond themselves. Just make them real comfortable, like right where they're at, and just placate everything that they want. Because then the church will die. Because that's what happens when we turn inward on ourselves and don't look outward and don't look outward to the stranger and to practice hospitality. We actually become, we actually kill ourselves because we're killing the compassion of Jesus Christ that wants to live in us. Amen? I'm just checking if you're still here. I think the other gift is their presence. The gift of presence. Abraham welcomed the strangers because he saw them as a divine gift, that their presence alone was a divine gift to him. Now, they actually brought a message to him about his wife of about 99 having a baby. <laughs> she laughed. I think I would have laughed too. But notice how he treats and welcomes. He saw their presence as a gift to his family. Not fear but a gift. I think about as I look at Abraham, how can we see people as gifts that simply their presence around our tables, their presence in our neighborhoods, their presence in our church as simply divine gifts to us. The presence, they're just simple presence of people. And when we hear their stories and we get to know them, we also realize they bring with them stories and gifts and talents and things that maybe can help shape us and help us to be more like Christ. Maybe they are divine gifts to us. And you, you know, as we approach Thanksgiving, we're actually to be thankful for the people around us. We're called to sit around a table and, and invite and be thankful and have gratitude for the people around us. And I think of Philippians 
In fact, I want to challenge you this week as you sit around the table, and you may be even sitting around the table with some people that you don't want to be at the table with. I know what families can be like. I know that when I go to the Thanksgiving table, that sometimes I'm sitting with people in my family that I'm like, eh. Can, can I get a witness here this morning? Anybody else? But I, so I want to challenge you. If you've got somebody like that at your Thanksgiving table, don't tell them this. Don't tell them I told you to do this, right? But, you know, we all have those people in our lives that are sometimes difficult or hard to be around. But what if we took Philippians 4.8, where Paul says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What if we could look at people and look into their lives, even despite their imperfections, and look for the good in them? And to be thankful for the good in them, be thankful for whatever is noble, even if it's a little bit of nobility. Whatever is true or right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy that I can grab onto, help me, Jesus, do that. To see people as divine gifts, to see the divinity in them, to see the image of God in them, and to appreciate that and give thanks for that, we'd be more welcoming, maybe more compassionate. And that's part of what we've been talking about, too, as a church, that part of our mission as a church is to love people, connect them to Jesus, and serve the world. And I think this practice of hospitality is actually the first step in loving other people and helping to lift our eyes and to see people differently. See, hospitality in the biblical sense of the word in the first century would mean this, that when someone showed up at my doorstep, that someone was on a a journey, that my job was to welcome them in, provide for their needs, give them rest, refresh them, renew them. And then I was supposed to also equip them and provide for them on the next leg of their journey. So I'm, my, my role in hospitality is to do two things, to renew and refresh them from the journey, and then also equip them for the next part of the journey. I think about that as a congregation. If we're to love people, and as people come to us, or we go to them, we also go to them, it's not just about waiting for people to come to us, but we go to them that we actually are renewing them, refreshing them, being hospitable to them in their spiritual journey. Everyone's on a spiritual journey, and they're all at different places in that spiritual journey, and when they come and they're a part of our faith community, are we renewing them, are we refreshing them, are we giving them rest? from the broken world and dark world around us? And then are we renewing them and equipping them to continue on their spiritual journey? Are we giving them things? Are we teaching them things? Are we encouraging things? Are we providing things for them that they can take with them on their spiritual journey as they go through life? So I see our churches loving people as being a place of refreshing and renewing and equipping people to follow Jesus in their spiritual journeys. So I thought I'd tell you a story this morning. It's not my story. It's a story that was actually told by Tolstoy about Martin the shoemaker. Martin was a shoemaker in a, in a Russian village, and uh, it was wintertime. And in this particular stage, you have to know that uh, Martin lived by himself in his shop. 
his wife uh, of many years, they had had a son, and when his son, their son was three years of age, uh, they, uh, his mother died, the, his wife died, and so he was left to raise his son alone. And then Martin, for 10 years, raised his son, and his son died at the age of 13, and so now Martin was left all alone in his shop. And so he would every day get up and do his job of being a shoemaker and repairing shoes, and then one day, a holy man came to visit him, and he said to the holy man, I, I just want to end my life. I, I just want my life to be over. I, I'm done. I'm tired. I'm weary. And he told him about his grief. And the holy man looked at Martin and said, Martin, you're going to find hope in God. Put your hope in God. And he gave him a New Testament. And he said, Martin, begin to read this. You will find your hope in God as you read these words from the Scripture. So every night after that, Martin would sit down, he would have his evening meal, and he would open up the Bible, and he would begin reading the New Testament every evening. And one particular night, he was reading the Scriptures, and he was finding hope, and he was finding peace, and he was finding comfort as he read about Jesus and as he read the Scriptures. And then he came across a story about Jesus and how there was a, a sinful woman that came to Jesus and she began to anoint Jesus with this expensive perfume and then also wipe his feet with her hair. And one of the Pharisees in the room complained and said, you know, how dare you let, first of all, a sinful woman touch you? And, and, and couldn't, you know, one of the other stories has the Pharisees, them complaining and saying, well, that money could have been used for the poor. And Jesus' response to the Pharisee was, you know, she's showing me hospitality. You have not lifted a finger to show me hospitality since I walked in your house. So Martin thought to himself as he read this story, if Jesus were to come to my house, would I show him hospitality or not? How would I respond? Would I be more like the sinful woman or would I be more like the Pharisee? And so he read the story, he closed the Bible, he went to bed. And that night he had a dream and he heard a voice of Jesus say to him, Martin, tomorrow I'm coming to visit you. So Martin woke up the next morning with this vivid voice and image in his brain, and he thought to himself, Jesus is going to visit me today. He believed that Jesus was going to come visit him in his shop that day. And so he got up early, and he prepared, and he cleaned up, and he got his shop ready to welcome Jesus. And the morning happened. He woke up in the morning, and as he sat there, he was looking out the window and he was looking for Jesus to come. And as he was looking out the window, he saw Stephen, this older gentleman in his community. And Stephen was there. It, it was winter. And so he was shoveling snow and clearing a pathway to another building where he was the janitor and the custodian. And he was clearing the pathway. And Martin looked at Stephen. He could see he was weary. He was tired. So he opened up his door and he beckoned to Stephen. He said, Stephen, come in, come in, come in. Get warm. Stephen dropped his shovel, came into Martin's shop. Martin sat him down at the his dinner table, gave him a cup of tea, let him rest his feet, rest his legs. And then he began to share with Stephen how Jesus was coming to visit him. And, and he says, Stephen said, well, tell me more about that. He poured him another cup of tea, and they chatted, and he told him stories, the stories he had been learning about Jesus and the things he was learning about Jesus. And then there was another cup of tea, and then finally Stephen said, I need to go back to work. And Martin said, okay, good. And, he, and then Stephen said to Martin, you have not only refreshed my body, you have refreshed my soul. And Stephen left and went back to work. So now it was later in the morning, about midday. What's Martin doing? 
He's looking out the window. Jesus is going to come any minute. As he's looking out the window, he sees a young mother with no winter clothes on, and she had a very uh, old tattered shawl on. She was holding a newborn baby and trying to brace the baby from the cold and the wind, and so she was holding him up against a wall trying to protect him from the cold. Martin looked out, and he opened up his door. He beckoned to the young woman, come in here, come in here. She came in. She sat down at his table. He pulled some soup that he had been cooking off the stove, and he fed her a bowl of soup. And then he, reached, he went into his closet where his wife's old clothes were, and he began to pull out his wife's old clothes, her winter clothes, and give it to the young woman. And then he poured, pulled out a blanket, and he gave it for the newborn. And they thanked him, and she went on her way. It was now late afternoon. Martin's beginning to wonder if Jesus is going to come. So he looks out his window again. And as he's looking out his window, he sees an older woman with a basket of apples and an arm full of wood walking by his door. And a little young boy comes running by and snatches the apple out of the basket and tries to run away. The elderly woman dropped her, her uh, arm of firewood and grabbed the little boy by the scruff of his neck and had a hold of him shaking him, give me my apple back. Martin immediately ran out his front door into the street. He grabbed a hold of both of them and said, stop it, both of you. And he looked at the lady and he said to her, forgive and forget. She said, I'll give him something to forget. (laughs) Martin began to share with her how Christ forgave and how Christ had compassion, even on the thief on the cross. And as he shared that story, they both began to soften. At that point, the young boy apologized to the woman and handed the apple back. And the woman looked at the young man, accepted his apology, and then handed him the apple. And then he picked up the firewood and carried it home for her. And Martin went back into his shop. At the end of the day, disappointed that Jesus had not come. So he closed up shop, put the clothes sign on, put his tools away, sat down for his evening meal, and opened up the scriptures. And this is what he read in Matthew chapter 25. He read, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And in that moment, Martin realized that Jesus had come and visited him three times that day. Why did that happen? Because Martin was willing to look out his window. It's as simple as that. Think about it. Every day, Martin huddled in his shop to work, and he always looked down on his work. It was the day that he looked out his window that Jesus came. Think about it. (laughs) If we want to see Jesus, if we want to welcome Jesus in our lives, we're going to have to lift our heads up and look out our windows to the people around us. Amen? Let's pray together.